Welcome back to the Football Kingdom podcast. We are officially six weeks through the NFL season, and this was an absolutely weird week of football. With me is Tyler Mallon. I'm Brandon Johnson. Let's get into it. So Kansas City Chiefs had a short week this week hosting the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football, and this was one of those games where you never felt like the Kansas City Chiefs were going to lose, but it was just a classic. This is a really weird game that they are playing. They were one in five in the red zone. This game, this game was 19 to eight, and they should have probably won 42 to eight. <laughs> That's fair. And yeah, I don't it- know what was. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say that this was time and time again the definition of you're getting too cute because your trick plays ain't working when you didn't need to do trick plays at all. You know? Yeah. There, there were four, there was like four times this game where I was like, what? What are they doing? Uh, I think Kadarius Tony. Threw a, threw a pass at one point. Obviously, the fourth and two fake field goal that was never going to work. It was fourth and two, and you had Tommy Townsend pushing. I don't I don't know where the logic was on that play, but if the guy who has two MVPs and two Super Bowl MVPs the football and let him work. Yeah, and my my main point is like when it doesn't work, it's too cute. When it does, it's genius. Like that whole thing. But the today was like I'm jumping the gun. I wanted to make this point later <laughs> in the game, but like it's you don't need to do these trick plays against a bad team. That's what I was tweeting all day. I'm like this Broncos are bad. You don't need to empty the playbook against these guys. Just play a normal football game, march down the field like they were doing all game. They were doing it with ease. And they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. But it really uh, highlights the the short yardage issues. This is a, you know, an an echo chamber here, but it's, you know, it's a problem. And I really don't know what needs to be done if if Reed needs to think up some better ideas or give those short yard displays to somebody else, because they ain't gonna Kiwi sneak Mahomes. They've shown that time and time again. What do you um, think? I mean, should they try that again? Should they risk the knee? Is so, that a thing? Here's my thing. Andy Reed has been coaching for forever, thirty years or something. And short yardage Uh, I can't speak a ton on his time with the Eagles, but watching him with the Chiefs, short yardage has always been an issue. Whether it's third and one or fourth and one, he's just, he can't figure it out. He's got to, he can't just, he can't QB sneak. He can't just run the ball up the middle with a running back. He's got to always do something weird and it makes no sense. But I, to answer your question, think that the knee injury against the Broncos Four years ago now was a fluke. 
And I think he needs to realize, Andy Reid needs to realize that that was a fluke. And they need to get back to the QB sneak. Didn't he get injured twice doing that, though, that same year? Am I crazy? Um, he had... I, he, mm, I feel I like he had an two separate ankle injuries. injury at one point, or a hand injury that season. I don't know. But obviously the notable one is... The knee injury. Well, yeah, that was a big one. And then they got it back in place and he was like, he didn't even feel any pain, which is kind of, he's like, all right, let's go. Medical thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, you pop it back in place and you're good to go. But then all the talk was like, well, now it's going to be even easier to, to be knocked out of place again. Now that it's already happened. Sure. Um, But you, I mean, You gotta, you gotta try it because I mean, I was going to say the tush push works, but after this weekend, it, the tush push only works for the Eagles. Nobody yeah. else could figure out short yardage this weekend. Uh, so I don't, I guess I don't know what the solution is, but it, you gotta at least try it with Patrick Mahomes or say uh, Blaine Gabbert is a big guy. Put, put Blaine Gabbert out. Don't even try to hide what you're doing. Hey, you know what? Blaine Gabbert's under center. Big guy. We're doing a QB sneak. Try and stop us. That's an option. Or just, yeah, or just run a better play. N- enough with this a fake field goal on fourth and two. That's, fourth I, and I don't two. think I've ever seen that. Have you ever seen that play ran before? <laughs> like, what are we doing? I mean, not fourth and two, maybe fourth no. and inches. Fourth and yeah, inches, I would have been like, okay, sure. But, well, if you're in fourth down territory, then just run a play. You have Mahomes, you know? Yeah. I don't need to say that, but I, you know, it's like, come on. No, I'm, I shouldn't I'm have with, to say it. I'm with <laughs> you. shouldn't be it's, here. And there's a theory. There was, it's, I think it was obviously a joke, but there's a theory that somebody had that all the stupid plays we saw ran were uh, plays that the players had made up and ran by Andy Reid, and this was the week that he finally let them do it, and... None of them worked, and this was his way of telling them that these don't work, and that's why we don't run them. But also, I feel like there was a huge possibility that the Chiefs weren't taking this game seriously. Like, There's also jokes about it being a televised practice, and you see some (laughs) of the things that were happening, and you're like, I mean, I don't think that's what they were doing, but they're not going to do this kind of nonsense against the Bills or the Eagles or whoever, you know? No. And again, yeah, it's like, that's what you're supposed to do, though, is put away bad teams. But, I mean, do they have that much hubris to really, is that really the truth? I I would be shocked if <laughs> that's really what they were doing. But also with three or four trick plays, like, just you, gotta not, wonder. you don't need it. You don't need it against this team. Yeah. It, it was, uh, again, uh, I think I said last week that the uh, the Broncos would stumble into a touchdown, and that's exactly what they did. This game again should have been thirty five forty two to 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 ten or something. And just that yeah, was a great catch by Sutton. Was, the Cortland okay, the Cortland Sutton catch was amazing, and I am not sure how. 
the ref missed that in real time, it looked like a catch in real time to me. So I don't know what he was looking at that he missed it, but that should have never had to have been reviewed. Right. When I, I, I think I didn't see the play in, um, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was a catch at at the beginning. It looked like one, but I was also like, well, they didn't call it once. So I think we're good. Cause I think it was kind of out of bounds. But then the replay, I was like, oh, yeah, that was definitely. I don't know. I think they think they caught the ref daydreaming or something. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what he was looking at, but great catch, great play. They converted a two point conversion there. But the reason that they were even in a position to score was because of a bogus roughing the passer penalty. Oh, my God. One, One of the most textbook tackles I've seen this season. Yeah. Wiped out. By. The, the stupid penalty, and at that yeah, point, it, and the explanation is frustrating. I'm sorry to cut you off. The explanation was frustrating by the rules analyst because he's like, "Well, it was because his body weight was going down." And my yeah. opinion is, get the stupid rules analyst off air. <laughs> they don't help. It was a terrible it, penalty. It was, it because that's. What he's saying is not what happened. And if we're going to watch the re- replay in slow-mo and see that that's clearly not what happened, like, what, what's the point? You know, because they got it wrong. He, he let go of the ball already, but that's a textbook sack. You're going to still drive him to the ground, whether you know that he threw it or not. I don't think his head was up at all. Like, he was making the, the sack... And it was a textbook tackle. That that was it was a soft call. There was a, that soft blindside call too. Mm-hmm. That the freaking owl kept saying like, "Why are the fans booing?" It's like, dude, they know football. That's why. <laughs> he kept saying like, "Well, you know, that was that's a penalty." Or what the heck was he saying? It whatever he was saying was kind of pissing me off because I'm like, the fans are not mad about that. They're mad because it was a bad call, Al. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I've just I don't I don't want to spend a, a bunch more time on the officiating because I think it just collectively in, it's consistently inconsistent, I think is a way <laughs> to describe it because it's just you go from one game to another and they're not calling certain plays or they are calling plays and I just I just want to be consistent. Across the board. That's all I'm asking for. Come on. Yeah. It's just one egregious penalty after another. Right. Yeah. And there was the, like the Buffalo Giants game that was like the last play was so clearly pass interference, you know, and they don't call it. And the, in it, even when the camera's panning, it shows the ref has a clear view of the hold mm-hmm. on the Jersey. He's like pulling this dude down and, it it really, and it, it it's week after week. We haven't covered it on the show, but I've seen multiple calls where you're like, they either got it wrong or they got it right, or it's it's unreviewable, you know. And we're really inching towards, you know, it's it is hard to get every single call right, especially when you're at field level. But we're at a point where reviews are good enough, and you know what you're seeing, and the fans at home are like, what are we doing? Well, you know. Yeah, and that's why I go back to like 
the rules analyst because they are like, ah, oh, Dean Blandino, what do you see here? And they don't help because he he was a former ref and he doesn't right. want to like speak out against his colleagues or former colleagues. And you just have him validating a stupid call. And that's why nobody knows what a catch is. Nobody knows yep. what roughing the passer is. We nobody knew what DPI was two seasons ago. We were able to challenge DPI. <laughs> what right. like get it right? Right. And NFL is not the only league that has issues. Like I can go over to MLB and talk all day about nonsense over there, but they got to do something. And I think a lot of it comes down to there needs to be a more accountability. Got to be more accountability in the league. And there's not players when they mess up, they get fined. They get they have to answer to media. Stick these guys in front of a media, make them have a post game press conference. So media can say, hey, what the heck was that? Make them answer and own their decisions and their mistakes. That's that's what we want. That is what we want. I totally agree. That's. Again, I didn't expect to go down that path, but <laughs> right. it's just it, NFL is king in American sports. It's the best product. It's the best product in the country for sports. Get it right. That's that's all. Right. You have such a great product that the officials should not be a point of conversation each day to where you have people that legitimately think that the NFL is scripted. I know it's a joke and the NFL leaned into it and played into it, but you have people that actually think that games are rigged because you just have such a wacky officiating problem going on. Yeah. That's always going to be a problem because people are crazy, but you're absolutely right. It is probably the hardest to officiate, but the technology's there. There's not a perfect answer, but it's got to be. It's got to get better than this. Yeah, so. I, and I think it just starts with the government. <clears throat> but uh, we, yeah, we we can move on uh, back, yes. back in back into <laughs> back into the Chiefs game. Uh, I said earlier, one for five in the red zone. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Had a quietly nice game. Threw for 300 yards, threw a touchdown. He obviously threw an interception that was kind of weird, which all of his interceptions have been kind of questionable this season. But again, quietly nice game. And after six weeks, he's at the top of the MVP odds with Tua, which just tells you that, like, the despite the offensive struggles that we have seen with Kansas City the, the general consensus is that Patrick Mahomes is still the most valuable player in the league. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean 30 for 40, 306. One TD, one interception, two sacks, but watching the game he felt a lot more solid than that, but again, they just couldn't convert in key moments and but no, I mean, he does what he needs to. And um, I think Bucker's MVP here. He had a 50 and a 60 yarder in the wind. I mean, what do we do without him in this game? Yeah. 
he uh, was he's been fantastic this season right and i I'll, I'll be the first to tell you i i was last season or maybe even two seasons ago i was kind of like i don't know about butker just because he oh, had yeah. the, the pat issues but really right. looking back to the afc title game last year where he kicked the chiefs into the super bowl and then turned around and won the super bowl right. he's been money so yeah he had that injury and then kind of turned it around yeah been pretty money after that so but travis kelsey had a classic travis kelsey broncos game nine nine catches for 124 yards he didn't get into the end zone but again just the broncos couldn't cover him yeah, those kind of stats. It's classic Kelsey throwing laterals. Uh, his practice. I wholeheartedly believe that was by design. By the way, really? Yeah, it did look yeah pre-planned. Yeah, was that because that was uh was that Noah Gray that took it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was just in a spot that I was like that almost looked like that was drawn up that way, and it worked. So. Can't be mad about it, and that's not the first time we've seen him throw a lateral in a game. No. But uh and that's uh as far I guess we just ranted about trick plays. That's a trick play that you like. Um if that is how it was drawn up, or again, you wouldn't be surprised if Travis Kelsey just was like, Oh, here you go. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, there was last couple seasons where he's like getting tackled. He's actively have like one or two players on him and he's like looking to somebody to throw the ball to. Mm-hmm. You know, that was when Tyreek was on the the team and he's like, I'll throw it to Tyreek Hill and he'll go. You know? Yeah, but, I think he's thrown on a Tyreek. He threw in a I feel like it was LaShawn McCoy. Okay. As well. But so I did want to say uh, you know, Sean Payton really stuck his foot in his mouth this year. You know, with the whole Hackett calling out Hackett before the beginning of the season, and then the Jets beat him last week, and they just have not looked good. Like they are all over the place. Um, good. They're poorly coached. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very accurate. Yeah, they could not get anything going. Um, I mean, they look terrible. I, it's 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 really bad football. There there was a fourth down. Uh, they called a timeout and then yeah, they, still went for it. And then Russell Wilson's running around. He takes like a 10 yard sack or something. Yeah. You know, and he's chucking up interceptions all game, you know, really bad balls. Just what are, who are you throwing to? Yeah. You know, I don't, just, I don't know what he's doing. He, he didn't throw, he threw for less than a hundred yards. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Such yeah. A, 95. 13 for 22 like that's it's not good no (laughs) (laughs) it was bad but this was the was it the 16th time in a row that the chiefs have beat yes the, the broncos yeah we can get into their schedule but I mean, they see him again in two weeks. Yep, they so. see him again in two weeks. But uh, so, so yeah, Chiefs again, kind of, kind of quietly five and one. 
I don't know. Like, again, kind of going through all these things, they're 5-1. and one. Not a whole lot to complain about, uh, but I do think we're six weeks into the season. It's worth kind of worth talking about the wide receivers because this was a game that I fully expected the the Chiefs wide receiver core to to figure it out and didn't end up happening. Uh, but I will say there is a receiver that kind of ascended above the group uh, outside of Travis Kelsey, uh, Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice was was a standout player for me this week. He's coming up big, and I was kind of looking at season stats because we went into this season uh, kind of unsure of who our receivers were. And Rasheed Rice, through six seasons, or through six weeks, rather, 245 yards uh, receiving, and he's on pace for like 750. But after last week, I think that we're going to kind of see him get some more looks, get some more targets, and he could, you know, if all goes well, he could he could quietly be a 900 to 1,000 yard receiver at the end of the season. And plus his yak, he's got 150 yards after the catch. Dude is fast. Mm-hmm. He's obviously yeah. second in receptions behind Travis Kelsey, who hasn't even played all six games. Right. Yeah, he's second on the team in in uh targets interceptions um and the dude yeah the yak is definitely uh what you see when you whenever you're a fan watching this team it's give this guy the ball and he's gonna go pick up tons of yardage after the fact the one thing and again i said this last week like uh reads like yeah we we want to keep giving him you know more looks because he had a couple drops but he's like yeah we're still gonna keep going to this guy but um, the one thing I'll say about him is he needs to protect the ball. He is a rookie, and I, I know we haven't talked about this, but you had to have seen this guy does not protect the ball when he's running, and he's going to get that thing knocked out. Like that, they have to work on that. Yeah. That'll come, with, uh, that'll come with some experience. Yeah. But, again, looked really good. But looking at the rest of the receivers... Justin Watson. Justin Watson's behind Rasheed Rice. He's kind of your deep threat. And I uh, didn't expect Justin Watson to to be your second best wide receiver this far into the season. I was hoping that Sky Moore, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Kadarius Tony would be, you know. <laughs> your your top three looks and yeah. this hasn't happened. It feels like Sky Moore just feels like there's almost a little bit of a lack of trust between Mahomes and Sky Moore, and it's it's starting to look more to me like what McCole Hardman was. We just thought like, oh, it'll mm-hmm. it'll come between Hardman and Mahomes, and it just never did. And that to me, that's kind of the tra- trajectory we're on with Sky Moore. Is like okay, 500 yards, like. 500 yard uh, uh, receiving yards this season, but Scantling, Valdez Scantling, another guy that really thought you would see more out of him. He only has seven catches through six weeks, so he's just doing he's doing nothing. He's he's a non-factor. And go to Kadarius Tony, 17 catches for nine, uh, 92 yards. 
How do you even how? Like, Darius Tony was supposed to be the number one receiver going into this season. Yeah, he was. He's just yeah, he really has not been productive. He's been there when you need him for first downs, you know, and kind of chunk plays. Like he has, you know, explosive plays in him, but he's just not consistent. I don't know if he's just not getting open. Um yeah, with Sky Moore too, he's uh, very much, I think you nail it with the Hardman example because they really run a lot of jet sweeps with him or little slant plays. And again, he's kind of there when you need him. When you need a first down or something, you can go to him. And that's kind of what all these guys have really done. It's not, you know, rack up yards, but they're, they, they do, they're usually there for a good first down conversion at, at times, but... Yeah, I I honestly thought, you know, MVS was this was going to be his year, you know. I've always kind of believed in him. I just the stuff he did with Rodgers, you thought, okay, well now he's with Mahomes and let's chuck the ball down the field and I don't know if it's just the cover 2 that's just always out there or what that that cuts the top off the offense, but yeah, yeah pretty underwhelming with all these guys. Yeah, I just think they're not getting open, but yeah, Kadarius Tony was a guy that had a, a lot of a lot of expectations going into the year and it's just it's not there. Uh so we'll see. Um uh, again though I I I think Rasheed Rice is gonna start to blossom and you're we're really going to come to like him in the second half of the season. And to stick with the offense, Isaiah Pacheco we have we we've talked about it all season, but we have uh, we have a running back. He's <laughs> gonna run for twelve hundred yards, and he's gonna be angry at the ground. He's gonna be he's he's so good, and it's just nice. It's nice to have that. And he's the third receiver on the team at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, 19 targets, 17 receptions, 135 yards on receiving alone. And, uh, you know, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's, he's got himself 100 yards. And, again, he's he's been solid when they give it to him. You know, they'll they'll give it to him and he'll get a yard or nothing. But he's, in little, you know, moments, he's kind of at least a little surprising. Every now I will, again. I'll agree with that. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, I honestly... I've been less mad when he gets the football because he doesn't right. get it that much. <laughs> and there's been just a few plays where he's been, he's been productive, but yeah, he's right. not, he's not getting those explosive plays that you see with Pacheco, but good, good, uh, in small doses, I guess. Yep. That's what they've been doing with him. So, yeah. and once again, the defense just showed out. And again, the 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 Broncos kind of stumbled into that touchdown and got helped by the the penalty, but a really good defense that is about to get better potentially with Charles Amenehu's suspension ending. Yeah. You're gonna have him on that line. Coming after the quarterback, 
Um, there were also conversations about Frank Clark. I don't know if that's going to end up happening, but Chiefs defense is looking like they're going to be here for the long haul. I think so, yeah. Andy Reid said Aminahue's going to be no no pitch count. He's He's fully in shape and ready to go, which is good news. And that's just another positive to an already awesome unit that's going on. You know, Nick Bolton's first game back uh, from injury got a pretty easy interception, but it's nice to see him making plays. And yeah, very, very turnover heavy so far. So there's what you want. Well, as always, Tyler, there are other things that happened in week six of the season. We had had a couple of upsets happen. The Eagles and the 49ers both went into this week undefeated, looking like uh, neither of them could lose. And the Jets, the Jets, uh, who have been honestly kind of a fun football team, took care of the Philadelphia Eagles, knocked them off. And at the same time, the Browns and uh, beat the 49ers. And the Browns, my takeaway from them is that they have a bona fide defense. And if Deshaun Watson can figure it out, they could be a a pretty dang good football team. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Jets-Eagles, that was just the Jets' uh, defense winning them that game. I mean, they kept giving Zach Wilson chance after chance and just did nothing with it. And they had... Two of their starters were out. I think uh, Sauce was out and, and somebody else too. But, I mean, again, after the Chiefs game, I'm like, okay, Zach Wilson's going to come back down to earth. <laughs> but it's it's another unfortunate thing with the Rodgers injury of like how good the Jets could have been because, I mean, this, this could have been a blowout. I mean, you watch this game. The Jets just kept giving the ball back to Zach Wilson, and just nothing was going on. And he's taken really—I think he took five sacks, and he had just backbreakers too, like big, like fifteen-yard lost sacks. And you know, that's kind of saw that coming, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. With the Browns, um, that that was an amazing game to have PJ Walker come in and and just kind of stunned the 49ers. You know, Brock Purdy really couldn't really uh, get anything going on, just kind of off time with everything with his receivers. But uh, sure. yeah, yeah. Two, two really big the losses. First time we've seen Brock Purdy kind of look human um, right. was this week. But yeah, both uh, Eagles and 49ers are now 5-1, and one, still sitting atop the NFC, but... Did not expect either of those teams to lose this week. But that's that's the any given Sunday of it. Yeah. Little upset. Saints and Texans. Texans beat them. I mean, I don't know what the Saints are doing. I mean, I have Alvin, Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team. And he usually just, you know, they still lose and the dude gets a million points. But, uh, sure. but yeah, the Saints uh, are kind of a lost cause as well. No, they are, and I, I think like the the 
the Texans, they have something with C.J. Stroud. I think that they're going to yeah. be a team that when we get to the end of the season, they're going to be a lot better than we thought they were going to be this year. Because, I mean, if you look at the NFC or the AFC South, ja- uh, Jacksonville's finally kind of starting to hit their rhythm and win some football games. But it's close. And they, you never know. Excuse me. Yeah, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud is probably gonna run away with the rookie of the year though this season. So uh they're in good hands in Houston. Yeah, they kind of jumped the gun with how good they are. I <laughs> did not expect that, but they kind of won the lottery with CJ Stroud with how good he's looked. So yeah, they'll definitely start uh, giving the Jags problems the next couple years. Yeah, Jacksonville, Jacksonville better, they better figure it out. Team, I mean, they, there was like 21 to three, like out of nowhere before the Indianapolis Colts could blink last week. I don't know if you're watching, but mm-hmm. I think it was, it was three, nothing. And then I think. Yeah, Jacksonville's turn around and scored, and then turn around and got a turnover and scored again, and it was like, oh, that got away from us fast, right? Um, but I want to talk. I want to talk about the New England Patriots. So obviously, the Patriots are absolutely struggling this season. They're now one in five. And kind of looking like they might be able to win three games this year. And there's been a lot of questions, you know, should Patriots move on from Bill Belichick? Is it time for him to hang it up? You know, has he lost it? Is the game passed him by? What is it? And I thought it was worth kind of looking into the Patriots post Tom Brady. So, so 2020 to now, the Patriots have not had Brady on their team. And in that time frame, they are 26 and 30. And those losses are going to continue to rack up. And they have had one playoff appearance, appearance, and that was in 2021 with, that was Mac Jones's rookie year. The one season that Mac Jones has looked good. But since then, Mac Jones has been terrible and he's getting worse as he continues to play. So he has thrown, he's thrown seven interceptions this season. He's only thrown five touchdowns and he just, just doesn't seem to, to have any sort of ability to play quarterback in the NFL anymore. And I, think he's a lot of the reason for the failures of the Patriots, I think. But you can't walk away from blame, blaming Bill Belichick. Um, Because I think you have set an expectation of winning in New England, obviously, with Tom Brady through all those years. And you turn around and your product has stunk for going on two seasons now and it's 
if you're going to continue with Mac Jones, it, you know, the future does not look good there. And I don't think that new England has turned on Belichick, but as far as the fans go, but I think there's going to be a time where you're going to have to kind of evaluate. Do we need say he's not getting any younger. He's like 73, I think 74. I think you're going to have to go and think, man, do we want to continue with him? Cause it's not cutting it. Um, Mac Jones isn't cutting it. Their offense just stinks. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I think, at this point, you might as well play to get yourself into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes out and you know, get the number one overall pick, get, get Caleb Williams. But some dark days in New England right now. Yeah, I don't know if they, <clears throat> if uh, Robert Kraft is willing to kind of tank. I really don't know. They've kind of gone with Mac Jones this whole time, and he, you know, I've never believed in him. I don't understand why they've kind of wheeled him out there. I don't think they really have anybody else. But at this point, you got to make a change. Like, he he had one 300-yard game this season, and that was the first game. Since then, it's 230 or less, and he's had two touchdowns in four weeks. He's not the answer <laughs> there yeah. or something's going on. Like you said, with the coaching or, I mean, do you really, uh, let Belichick go at the end of the season and well, let yeah. somebody else have him and move on and just say that era is over with, you know, what do you do? I mean, I think you have to consider it, uh, because, to your point about Robert Kraft being willing to tank, I don't think Belichick is willing to tank. I think he's got too big of an ego. Hmm. And so... And does he want to start over? Does, does Well, does <clears throat> he want to start over? And if this is, you know, Bill Belichick's team with him trying, you're, this is... This is... It's going to be an awful result. But... I don't know. It's it's so weird because you just don't you don't see that out of the Patriots and they're going to have to start over. Whether Belichick's there or not. You can't you can't Mac Jones cannot be your quarterback for He can't be your quarterback next season even. I was going to say for the next <laughs> 6 years but he cannot be your quarterback this time next season. So I'll be curious to see kind of how this season shakes out for the Patriots and what the off season looks like. Maybe it's a Belichick, you know, Hey, I'm good. I don't need this anymore. Or maybe they go into a draft and get a quarterback and, send Mac Jones to the moon. <laughs> but they got to get it figured out because their division is really good with Buffalo, Miami, and 
Jets. The Jets potentially with an Aaron Rodgers return are going to be really good. So Patriots are kind of the afterthought in that division right now. I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts on the Patriots and their whole situation. Monday Night Football was a fun little matchup between the Cowboys and Chargers, and it ended up being a matchup of who can be the worst coach between Mike McCarthy and Brandon Staley. And the Cowboys won this football game, but for the first time, maybe not for the first time, but I really saw NFL Twitter saying you got to get Brandon Staley out of there. So Brandon Staley to me feels like a midseason firing, whether it's, you know, after the chiefs game or it's a little bit down the road. I just, if they don't turn it around, which I don't see them doing, the guy's gone. I mean, yeah, they're two and three at this point. And they don't look any better. So last night, I mean, <clears throat> uh, Herbert was really tearing up their, their zone defense. You know, just all their guys were just sitting in the gaps, just waiting. It just wasn't good enough. You know, they just kept taking sacks, threw a couple interceptions, and I don't know. I think I'm starting to see your kind of dislike of Herbert where you're like, the dude is special and is really good. But, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe it is more of the coaching that could probably kind of unlock his potential, though. But you've never been a big, you know, believer in Herbert, have you? Uh, I haven't. And to his defense, like I do think he's a talented quarterback, but he's really, he hasn't accomplished anything. He's also had... I think like four offensive coordinators. So he's had no consistency okay, whatsoever in his career. So right. that's tough to jump around uh, with from corner uh, coordinator to coordinator. But um, I do think that he's a talented quarterback and I think that the chargers have a really solid roster. And that's an, that's something that's also kind of frustrating about the chargers is you have a coaching staff that is kind of wasting a window of opportunity with this team because if you if you really look at their roster they should be going toe to toe with the Kansas City Chiefs each season like this should right. be like the the to look ahead the last game of the season is Chiefs Chargers that should be you know if everything was going well how it sh- how I think it should be going that should be a game that decides the division and it's likely going to be a game where the Chiefs rest their starters because they're already in. So just it's no. it's just, just a waste of an opportunity. Now you, you nailed it there because when you play in the Cowboys at home well, at home. <laughs> home field yeah, advantage. Sure. Uh all ten Chargers uh, fans. Right. Austin Eckler had fifty yards total, twenty seven rushing. I mean how how are we doing that? I mean, the dude, it's better than that against, honestly, pretty good Cowboys team, but uh, he could not get anything going. Keenan Allen looked pretty decent, but 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he's got the weapons and I, I think the talent. But yeah, you're, they've really kind of set him up for failure. And I think you're probably correct. A mid-season firing is probably in the future. Yeah, which is unfortunate because that would, again, just create more inconsistency for Justin Herbert. So, but they got to they got to get the right guy in there. Get somebody that can can turn that football team around. Right. Is, All that uh, being said, I mean, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to move on to the Cowboys. Of like Prescott's kind of had the same. Uh. Uh, career where he's had multiple OCs and uh, kind of been set up for failure as well. But honestly, either one of these teams could have lost it last night. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty low scoring for as good as those teams are supposed to be and have kind of shown 2017, you know, just stuck in second gear. You know what I mean? Like, this, this could have been a much higher scoring game and you know, one team just takes it over and, and you know, makes a statement, but it is just kind of lackluster and doesn't really inspire me the confidence with for either of these teams. Yeah, I was I was really hoping the Cowboys would go into this game and just roll the the Chargers to say, hey, what we did against the 49ers was not who we are, but right. I'm starting to kind of feel like that's that's who they are. Now this wasn't obviously a dud. In comparison to the Forty ers game, but you again, you still there's not a lot of confidence in the the Cowboys being a, a team that you feel like they could go on a run in January. So, um, I wanted to close out the show and kind of take a look at the Chiefs' remaining schedule. Um. So next, their next matchup is against the Chargers, and then the Broncos again. Both games that I think we both agree they should win easily. Of course, having said what we just said about the Chargers, this game has 30 to 27 written all over it because that's <laughs> just what a, that's what a Chiefs-Chargers game is, is the Chargers always give the Chiefs their best. So mm-hmm. the Chiefs, the Chiefs better come out swinging because this this could be a game where the Chargers figure it out for a week and then turn back into a pumpkin. But Chargers, Broncos, Broncos again. I think uh, another easy win this time on the road. Um, but after that, game of the year in my opinion. Dolphins Chiefs in Germany. This will be these are kind of the the two AFC favorites. And I think after that game, we'll have a good idea of who the team to beat is in the AFC. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I forgot that was in Germany, so that's really cool. Should be a fantastic game. And then I believe they'd go on by. After that, yep. so yep, and um, then, uh, yeah, and they they have that all that time to prepare for the Eagles. Yeah, I do think that the it's cool that that game is going to be in Germany, but I don't know if the 
I don't know if it's going to have the same juice in Germany that it would in Miami or in Kansas City. So I hope the yeah, crowds I'm sure they do would, it. Right. I'm sure the NFL would take that back knowing how good the Dolphins are now mm-hmm. and just how explosive their offense is, that that would be better suited for a home crowd for either team. But uh, it's supposed to be a home game for the Chiefs. We'll see how Germany goes out. I mean, honestly, watching you know highlights of the London game so far, there's multiple kids with Mahomes jerseys, you know, and that's London. So they've they've kind of uh, marketed the Chiefs as like a Germany team, like, hey, we're gonna come play a home game here, you know, like you're our fans, kind of thing. That's kind of how they've been doing this with mm-hmm. London and and other teams. So hopefully that'll be on the Chiefs side, but. Uh, yeah, that should be a fantastic game. Yeah, and yeah, as you said, they take that game into the bye week, prepare for the Super Bowl rematch uh, the week of Thanksgiving against the Eagles at home. At home. And again, again, uh, could be an interesting matchup because the Chiefs and Eagles are both obviously very good, but they're both teams that like, still... They're probably not playing the best that they could. And maybe a month from now, they'll both be firing on all on all cylinders. I would hope by late November, both of these teams would be there. Yeah, I think both teams really were at the height of their powers last year, obviously. But, I mean, the Eagles lost <clears throat> like once last year or whatever it was. And the Eagles have... They were five and zero, but you know, even barring the Jets game, they've looked. They're they don't look as bulletproof. They're still the kind of best team in the NFC, but you know, they're not. They don't look as dangerous, I guess, as last season. So, I think yeah, going with what you said in a month, hopefully both these guys are at the top of their powers again and give us a good game. But that'll. I don't know. I think the Chiefs have a slight edge, depending on the Miami game. I feel like the Chiefs, with their this, you know, heightened defense, should give the the Eagles a different look this time around. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't want to get too far down the road on the schedule. We can revisit that uh, the rest of the schedule at a later time. Um, but again, Chargers, Broncos. Dolphins, Eagles, that's their neck that's the Chiefs' next four games. And I mean, you like to think they can win all four, but you hope for three and one. That's all I have for this week, Tyler. Um I will say, uh just quick plug real quick. Um if you're a fan of Survivor, me and a couple friends are doing a weekly recap show that comes out every Friday called the Merge Feast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And it is just the three of me and me and a couple of friends is just getting together and talking about the episode and just having a good time. Um, so check it out if you're interested. See you next week.